again to the Professional Goblins Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Scott Gladstein. With me, as always, is... Mike Myler. And unlike uh, all of our other episodes thus far, we are going to introduce a third co-host. Uh, does that make me a co-co-host? Yes, yes, it no, does. No, no, no. It makes all of us, all of us are co-hosts. Okay. Not one of us is the head host. If there was a head host, I, I would argue that I'm the head host. That's not really for now. So the uh, there can be only one. Let's say Savannah does have the the, the dubious credit of also being uh, having hosted it exclusively with me. That's, 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 true. that's true. Technically, oh. you guys have done more episodes than me. Let's say I I know I have done more episodes than you by yes. like one or two, but I, I don't think that really matters in the grand scheme of things. So, um, there are three of us, but as you can see, there are four people on the screen. Mysterious Stranger, who are you? What, what, what are you doing here? Well, I'm Duan Bird, and I was mysteriously contacted by, uh, Mike, and I was like, who is this guy? And then he explained that I should maybe be on your podcast. And I'm yeah. like, what is this podcast? <laughs> but then I saw that, uh, Robert was on it, and I actually watched it one time before, like, I think last year. Uh, and I was oh like, my well, god, is Robert... the last year for us? That's scary. <laughs> so I was like, well, if Robert was on it, it's good enough for me. So, <laughs> so I agreed I, I to come on you. I approve of the idea of using Brooks as a, a barometer. <laughs> That's very silly. Yeah, I've known, please continue. I, I've known Robert since about 2009 or 2010, because we, uh, we met role-playing in Mushes. Oh my god, we, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, we were in a... Um, a heroes mush, and he was one of the like the staff members running stories and stuff. Nice, like the nice. heroes, the, heroes the TV show. <laughs> but, let's say so. So you, you have come to the right group. Me and Mike. I don't know about Savannah, but I know that me and Mike are big fans of mushes. So uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. really impressive to me how many people we draw up who are like, oh yeah, mushes. <laughs> you know, I have never heard of this phenomenon to be honest. Oh, oh you're missing out. On like some really Apparently. dedicated like keeping a sheet, a notepad next to your computer, going, what's the command for that obscure that obscure thing? It's like it's a text-based uh, multi. It's like a text-based MMO basically. It's it's like play-by-post, but with way way more players and way yeah. faster. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that does sound intriguing. It's like it's like, been, yeah, it's, pretty cool. it's like a roguelike I, MMO. I've been in them for about twelve years now. I started when I was uh, 17. I'm um, I'm 29 now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I first started in a mud, um, a Dragon Ball Z mud. Oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome! I, I've done that. My favorite one is I did a Dune mud that exists, and it was really weird. Um, so here, tell us, tell us, uh, tell everybody actually. What did you? What have you worked on? What's your background in the industry? How do you do this stuff? Oh, well, I, as far as what I've worked on, I've only worked on um, Aethera so far, because I know Robert, like, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll do this. But, um, but yeah, it was really fun experience and everything, like, there was all these professionals from, like, Paizo and stuff, and I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, um, it was really cool because, uh, when we, they had, like, a whole, like, a really big push, like, to have, a, like, a, a diverse, like, set of developers and everything, yeah. and, um, when we were uh, doing the initial brainstorming, we were talking about this one race, the uh, the, the phalanx, like the the robot race. And so um, they didn't want it to like be like a weird stereotypical like slave thing, and they were asking for opinions. So I like wrote a whole like um, elaborate like introduction of like a concept of what I would do. And he's like, well, you seem to know what you want to do with this, so you just do the whole race. <laughs> <laughs> just take it and run with it, man. I love it. Yeah. 
so he um he basically like like just tossed me into it, gave me like every like every difficult thing I could possibly do to like make an entire race. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it all out. Like I had about like I think two or three months to like work on it. And it was like it was a very educational experience and um the editors made my writing amazing. <laughs> they they are useful for that. That's yeah. it. You wanna know a dirty tried. secret? You wanna know a dirty dirty secret? None of us know what we're doing when we start. <laughs> Hell, most of the time we don't know what we're doing today. We're just gonna like, yeah, that worked. <laughs> I totally meant to do that. <laughs> uh, the first thing I submitted to Paizo, like first application, I included a 68-page document. And now when I look back at uh, that thing, I'm deeply embarrassed by how badly it was all done and stuff. Oh, no. So I, um, I recently this weekend I was working on some resume stuff, and I, I looked. I was like, I wonder how many things I've actually worked on. Um, it's 104 now. Um, I am ashamed of some of those. Um, I am I am proud of a lot of those, but there's also ones I'm just like, ah, oh, that wasn't the first product I put out. Please don't don't look at that list and find out how bad the Kinslayer was. Oh, <laughs> the one module I wrote, I am ashamed of. I, I have other I've contributed modules and stuff to other things, but like the only one I've released solo, I was just like, I've seen released two, but mini adventures, but yeah. So. Uh, I, I, so yeah, if you guys don't know, we have a, or if you're joining us for the first time, oh god, oh god, no, I'm kidding. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, we have a schedule, we have a little bit of a formatted show, we talk about a few different topics, um, all the hosts kind of chime in on it, and oh my god, even you. Um, so the first one is, what's your favorite character? Normally we, yeah, go ahead. Well, normally we start with a product review, but uh, John Kennedy, our previous guest, did not give us a review to, or a product to review, so. So yeah, if you got one, let us know. Um, but yeah, we uh, we talk about our favorite character either in a game we're currently in, or a lesson we took from a character in the past. So does anyone have something they want to open us up with? Hmm. Well, yeah, since we were just talking about about muds and mushes and stuff, I'm going to talk about Squee and Red Dragon. So I got way into Red Dragon, and I was like I don't know, ten or eleven. It was you know it was this really excellent, uh, like a bunch of ASCII maps and everything, and like the whole. The whole thing was programmed. You could you could play through it immediately, just like you would like a you know an old text-based adventure game, but like so much more expansive and incredible. Love it. And I was not very well liked being a petulant child, <laughs> and I found like I just couldn't I couldn't commit to a character long enough to level up high enough, and I couldn't befriend anyone that was high enough level to drag me. <laughs> so like I was just cursed to these lower level characters until I finally made Squee, who is my, like, despicable little goblin rogue, and I found the Orc King in this, like, forgotten quest from the original build of the game, like, the, the mods and stuff they completely forgot existed. And it had this sword in it that wasn't very powerful, but it activated every single round. So in addition to, like, striking, <laughs> it would do its special activation thing. So, like, I, I went crazy, I pulled a bunch of resources, I killed the dude once, and I got the sword. Nice. Of course, he looted everything he killed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I used that immediately to get another sword. And then I completely fucked all of the game's market because I <laughs> flooded it with these guys, this Orc King sword. <laughs> Good so job, like, Mike. Then I became the richest character on the server despite being 13th level, I think. And the, the cap was like 80. So I was just a real dick. And I was below the TPK level. So you couldn't just walk up and slice me down. Yeah. Oh, 
telling me you didn't put economy crasher on your business card? I know, <laughs> I know. I know. And they found out they were so mad, but like one mom was like, but look, you can't just like ban him. Like it's not his fault. He didn't know that it was bugged, right? And I was like, no, totally. Yeah. Then they yeah. just like let me keep my eight million gold or whatever ridiculous <laughs> fucking number it was. And then I paid people to drag me. Nice. So oh, there we go. Yeah. Even when you are playing in an online environment where nobody likes you, uh, if you work hard enough, you will find an exploitable bug that you can use to crash the economy. <laughs> and then people that fake like you. That sounds really niche, as as metaphors or as aphorisms go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, the, really, the lesson there should just like don't be a dick and be mature when you play games with other people. Unlike Mike. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. I was. I think my. I don't even want to say what my handle was. I. I yeah. I was a youngin. It was it was many years. Ago. Oh yeah. So uh, either of you guys got one? <clears throat> so well, I got one. I think about uh, I think it was about ten years ago, something like that. I was on a cowboy be a cowboy bebop on mud. Really? Like it was a role play intensive mud, but the staff were incredibly corrupt. No, this would normally <laughs> be this would normally be a deal breaker, but I was in a um, I was in a faction. It wasn't really a it didn't we didn't really have a staff or anything. And the other, the other faction, there was only two factions, like, really. The other faction was all staff. They had, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. They had, um, they, they had, um, mobs and, 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 like, lasers and shit, and anything. If you tried to go in there, you just get killed. Our faction, like, we didn't have a door. <laughs> yeah. So, um... So like we spent so much time just like grinding and leveling and figuring out every inch of how to play this game, and we basically started committing terrorism against the staff character. <laughs> we would like just, like we would like um, plant bombs in their ships and and just like like, like sneak up on them and assassinate them. We would like we would get like so freaking crazy. We would just like rush through their their crazy like staffed up broken like um base and steal stuff. And then we started hacking their bank accounts. And, it was <laughs> <laughs> and these are people who would like, actually, they would actually like go into their sheets and just modify stuff and just become amazing. So, so it didn't matter you were stealing from them. <laughs> yeah, but we just, we kept doing this for months and months and months. And then eventually like staff just started like leaving and just, just being done with the game. And then we like, we're like, well, I guess we win and now we have a moral victory. And then we just kind of all left, and the game died. <laughs> so Mike is the economy killer, and your group were the world crushers. <laughs> no, they're just the terrorists. Great, great. Yep. So I was I just mean, an economic, fair, economic criminal. <laughs> White collar. That's a I was gonna say, to be fair, I feel like the mods started the the terrorism. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it does sound like they're at fault. Yeah. So yeah. that actually reminds me. So I got one that's not actually a mud or a, uh, a a role playing thing as much, but it's just as bad. Um, so there was this game before. It was called it was MMO. So when I was a kid, I used to hop MMO to MMO, uh, like even Korean ones. It was great. So there was one called what was it? It was a martial arts one. But anyway, it was from Korea or something. Um, and it was really low budget and, like... I mean, it was fun. And there's all these factions and whatever. And they had a bunch of... Every week, there was, like, four factions that you could join. 
and every week, I think like six maybe, and they had bases and everything, and you could actually go and join their big faction-on-faction battle, which was literally like a thousand people. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. Maybe it was a few hundred. I don't remember what it was. I couldn't tell because my computer was so laggy, um, and the yeah. servers would just die every time they had these battles. So, um, and there was not really a limit. Like, we never hit the limit on the most people you could have because not everyone was online. So I went ahead and I went there and I I was I had an alt that was like mid to high level and I knew how to play the game, but I was on my lower level character and I go and I start talking like all right guys here's our strategy here's what we're gonna do yada yada watch the right flank left flank it was basically like the map was basically like three entry points each having a crystal set of crystals and a big area in the center then it went to the other guys crystals and the goal was to destroy all the crystals. So I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm like level 10 out of a, out of 100 or 13, and everyone's like, what level are you? I'm like, oh, I'm 13, I got an alt. They're like, don't listen to this guy. And they basically just ban me from main chat, and I just start yelling, all right, anyone under level 20, join my group. And every new player in this faction joins my group. We, ha- we set up a Discord, or it wasn't Discord, what was it back then? It was like TeamSpeak. We set up a TeamSpeak, and we literally had like 60 people on it. It was great. So we all funnel in, and we all start going through the thing. And now the bad guy, the big guys are just fighting, destroying everything, killing everyone. And we're talking on TeamSpeak about what we're doing. Suddenly, through one of the passageways, these guys just, because it's so laggy, it's literally, one guy appears, and they're like, oh, it's only level 10. Another guy appears, then 10 guys appears, then 20 guys appears, then 60 guys appear. And suddenly, by the end of this, we have this horde that mills through level 100s. Because all we have to do, every time we die, is we just keep running the same straight line. So like a blender, we start going through this entire thing, and we get to the crystal. Now, no one else from the from our faction has got to the other enemy's crystal yet, except the left flank that we took. So we had this battle cry. If you guys know Magic the Gathering, there's a card called Army of Squirrels. Every round, you put out a squirrel token, and you... It's great. And the flavor text on the card is, an army of squirrels is still an army. So... What we are screaming is an army of noobs is still an army. In, in, in map chat, as we get to the things, now you have to be certain level to hit to hurt the crystals. So we see this mountain of zero 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 popping up. So we can't deal damage to it. Criticals one damage, and we whittle down the freaking crystals by dealing one damage to it at a time. And these guys are just sitting there like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what they did. How did they do this? I can't." And they are so pissed. They are they are massive. I think we won it, but it had nothing to do with us winning, but except for the fact that we got the left side, and they were just so pissed at us, the entire enemy faction. So guys, remember, an army of noobs is still an army. <laughs> I like it. Oh man, I I feel I feel sort of out of place. I was just going to suggest like a tabletop character for my these guys. <laughs> I had a better, I had a different tabletop story lined up, but you guys maybe think of that one. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, I was searching um, about muds, and I was like, oh yeah, the Orc King Sword. <laughs> <laughs> so, Savannah, what do you got for us today? Uh, so, my Call of Cthulhu game was Sunday, and not to do too many spoilers for Horror on the Orient Express, uh, but we were fighting the, the big bad evil guy, uh, who is a vampire, and is, of course, like, massively powerful, like, ten feet tall, like, Castlevania shit going on. Uh, doesn't shoot fireballs, though. Um, but anyway, my character is also a vampire. He's essentially a fledgling of this big bad evil vampire's fledgling. Mm-hmm. 
And so this guy is literally the first vampire. He is the Stroud of his world. And I have been a vampire for two weeks, and I'm not good at it. Uh, however, I have a stake. And so we have chased this vampire all around this train, because we're still on the Orient Express right now. And we're in the chapel car, and our big heavy hitter dude has just gotten uh, a priest thrown at him. <laughs> at uh, him? Yes, at him. Uh, we <laughs> joked that he was so bad that they couldn't throw the book at him, they had to throw the whole priest. <laughs> uh, so he's had a priest thrown at him, he's temporarily out of commission, and it's just me standing between him and the big bad guy. And I'm, I'm like, okay. I tell the GM, like, okay, so I, I use my three blood points, which was the homebrew system that we came up with, not standard. I use my three blood points to, like, up my strength, and I rush the vampire. So I go in, and if you're familiar with Call of Cthulhu, you always want to roll low. You try and roll below your proficiency percentile. And so I end up with, like, a four or something. Um, and do ridiculously well. And the vampire rolls his dodge to avoid my flying jump stake, and he rolls a 99. <laughs> and the GM's like, well, I I guess you stake him. <laughs> and, and to be fair, he didn't like poof into dust. He was just paralyzed, and he could still try and mind control people. But it was really cool. What was supposed to be like a two-hour cinematic battle was just me like running at him screaming and saying, <laughs> and then us trying to fight off his mind. So, yeah. Savannah has the BBEG touch. Yep. <laughs> I try. I try. What was the one roll? It was one in. It wasn't one in 400. It was one in 2000. No. 4,800. Yeah, I was going to say it was yeah. so much. It was insane. Uh, I was just like, I couldn't. I still. Oh I, my god. I had a. Uh, <laughs> I still have the screenshot of those three ones you wrote, Mike. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It's just like, how the fuck? Uh, Alright, so, uh, number three. Third topic. Yeah. So, uh, what's your favorite, favorite project? working project? <laughs> so, um, these are projects that we work on, not projects that other people work on. Talk about that Alright, I'll, uh, I'll start us off, I guess. So, um, I started working on this, uh, class that worked around, uh, leadership at one point. Yeah, I'm tackling leadership. I wrote a whole, literally wrote a class that is more than half sidebar. Um, because leadership is stupid. Um, yes. There's a lot of problems. With there's a lot of, yeah. I, 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 I beat leadership with a stick in sidebars. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I should make some NPCs. 80 pages of NPCs later, I have a entire NPC codex now. <laughs> um, to be fair, I used uh, Realm, oh, not Realm Crafter, uh, what's it called? Hero Lab for a bit of it. Um, but a lot of them, I have the, I now have the Crabadon, um, who is a king crab paladin, who is tiny size, who rides a horse. Like, we had the static, like, NPCs, like, and I set stuff up, like, every other level for, like, a warrior, for example, or for a fighter, for example, and stuff. So you have the NPCs, but then there's a, the section just, is just called Madness. Um, there is also Blinky the Rabid Lich. Um, oh, is we, it a blink bunny? No, it it is it is a uh, oh. goblin. I don't know why I called him Blinky, but he's a he's a rabid goblin who caught a case of a really bad case of lich. Um, he was a rogue, but no one but then no one wanted to hang out with him, so he left oh, the no. goblin tribe, and he befriended a wolverine. So he was Mike's character from the last section. <laughs> yep. So he uh, no one wanted to hang out with a uh, a lich, so he he hung. 
hung out in the forest and became a ranger, and now he has a wolverine. And uh, yeah, that is Blinky. There is also <laughs> a guy who has one level in every... We were talking about this a few weeks back, and I basically pulled up a character I had made before. Um, he has one level of every full BAB class, and it is just absurd. Um, but yeah, we, we have lots of fun NPCs in there. Like We have the standard ones you can just play with, but there's also ones that are just like... And guess what? Here's a crab paladin who has an enchanted magical claw and a tiny shield wearing full plate riding a large-sized horse. And he's going to smite so you. So what, what, like, tenants, like, what faith does this crab paladin? He is a paladin of the sea god, I'm leaving it setting neutral for that, who is going to punish all those polluters on the land. I like it. He is crabby wrath shall, shall descend upon thee. Um, and I do not know how the hell this is going to work out, but it's going to be beautiful. I think I only want to get, like, one piece of art for that book, and it's going to be the Krabadon. That's good. Oh, so, Mike, you'll appreciate this. I have uh, actually finally hired uh, Jacob Blackman for a few things in our uh, Monster Race book, so, uh, and I just got the stuff in. It looks beautiful. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's, that's what I'm working on. I'm putting out 80-something pages of uh, NPCs at some point soon. So, uh, well, what do you guys got? Actually, did you have something? There's something um, very old. Like, the first thing I ever really, like, worked on, like, what made me, like, really learn, like, how working on a tabletop even works, this is before I ever even read, like, a D&D &D book or anything. Like, this is a little, about a year before I started, like, playing Muds and Mushes and stuff. And I played something called Beyond Tabletop. It was, like, on the thing called Beyond. It was, like, a really weird graphical mud type thing. Which is but, not D&D um, &D Beyond, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was weird. So I made, like, a lot of, I was, like, about 16, 17 at the time. I made a lot of, like, anime-based things, but I didn't, I, as I said, I didn't know anything about actual tabletop. So I would just make up all of these rules, and I would, um, I would host the game on, like, on, on my own PC, and I would have, like, like, 10 to, like, 17 people come in, and I would, like, have to DM for all of them at the same time. And I learned so much from doing that, and it was just insane. And uh, I, I think the most notable one I did, because I didn't know anything about longevity or anything like that, so I had like a full Metal Alchemist thing going. And um, <laughs> and I kind of like let people do whatever they wanted, and I just went with it as a DM just to, you know, it was fun. So um, this, um, this one character decides that she wants to actually make the um, Philosopher's Stone, and she goes through this whole thing. And I'm like, well, I have to make a ruling on this because she's actually like succeeded at like a lot of her roles to like try to do what she wants to do. And I was like, well, you know what? I think the most logical outcome of this is that the world ends and she converts all of mankind into a stone. <laughs> and that was the end of that campaign. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Since crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, that was, that, was my, that was my first experience with that kind of thing, and like, it really got me into the creative, the creative side of, of like, you know, making RPGs and, and just writing and tabletop and stuff. And, and that's what you're still is working on today? Is it like, online or the blogger and anything like that? Like, is it accessible? I didn't, I may have, I may have stuff, like, backed up. And I, ne I never thought to, like, go and, like, get it, but I most, I very likely still have, like, a lot of that stuff. <laughs> So I'll probably put it up sometime if I like go and look for it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it makes for good, like a blog series. Yeah. It's all blog series. So, uh, Mike, what are you working on? 
Uh, well, I've been editing this thing called the Advanced Story Point System, so I've been pretty busy doing that and wrapping up other projects. Like, uh, finally, there was some some hubbub with the uh, the No Direction book because they're they're. Their back cover is, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Their back cover had some hubbub that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. So there was extra delays. But finally, like tonight, I'm going to be putting the, the last touches on the files and, and sending them out. Hopefully, he'll have prints to show off at Gen Con. I really hope he does. Awesome. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but, no, what I what I enjoyed working on a lot more this week was the Book of Exalted Darkness history. Oh. Because, yeah, yeah, I like doing the world history. And we I had to get some stuff into place and open up some time to think about it. But I'm really happy with what I came up with. Fantastic. So, let me see. I don't know. I've had such a busy day. So it starts off with the uh, the world is actually a terrible place. Really? When the celestial <laughs> heroes roll up and they like start to save it, they become popular and like there, there's different problems on each each continent. Oranios is contiguous around the entire planet, mm -hmm. so that's the first one to get a rail station hmm. and like the first one to get like conquered by goodness. So then a lot of the Evil moves to Samovi into the wilderness continent, and then the far continent, which is Akthombo, where all of the dragons end up going because they get chased out of Samovi and Orenios. And yeah, as you can see, I I once I get once I like finally have time to like get into it, I really I really dig it. So I, I wrote a couple thousand pretty awesome words. I don't know. I had to the playtest play documents, but I haven't looked through the playtest documents for comments yet. I'm waiting until I don't know, probably next week when I have time to do it give it proper attention but uh i don't know the rest of the design team liked it uh, that's always a good that's a good sign what did yeah. mike mccartney said it's it's whack but in a good kind of way mm -hmm. no that except, sounds about except right except for the one confusing thing yeah he prefaced it except for the one <laughs> yeah makes but, sense uh, yeah no, it's cool and then i yeah it, it all it all came together pretty good like the creation of all the spheres and and how everybody gets driven underground and then like there's a period where they think that they've won and like evil's gone but it really was just like a ploy by the mad scientists who have precisely timed everything out uh with their like corruption of the souls of the planets and they've got like these probability matrices so they can figure out with some degree of, of certainty where the evil people are going to pop up mm -hmm. so they can influence their lives and like draw them into their their you know monstrous plans to kill them yeah that's insidious, my dude. I know, I know. And I got, oh, the playtesting was dope. They're uh, a seventh of the way to, no, two seventh of the way to uh, giving the living saint uh, dementia. Instead of just killing her, they're giving her dementia because that's going to be way more damaging to the celestial hero that relies on her for like advice. Yeah. True. Uh, I love doing evil stuff, obviously. We know. <laughs> I mean, I, not, I don't personally love to do evil things. I don't like cops, to right? write about evil things being done to fictional characters. I'd say, Mike, that, that's, that, sound, that sounds like you're saying this in case cops are watching. I am sure that that is <laughs> the case. Uh, and then Savannah, what are you working on this week? Uh, so it turns out that for the past three months I've been fighting a kidney infection I didn't know I had. That's awesome. Uh, so I've been kind of slow on the doing of work things. Uh, however, what I'm going to be doing is my write-up for the Order of the Ember Die Strange Aeons Marathon, Ooh. number six. Um, so not to like drop any spoilers before the blog drops, uh, but we did you know, do our, our sixth book marathon, and we always wrap them up with an epilogue or a letter. 
Um, so I've been doing it in the form of Winter Klazka, the group NPC, is writing back to uh, the mother of her, um, I keep wanting to say Chantry, I've been playing too much Dragon Age, yeah. of her uh, Ferasmin like church. Um, and it's been great because throughout the entire um, uh, AP, we've been going mad in various ways. Of course. And so I like to have the letters reflect that. Uh, like at one point, uh, Winter became delusional and decided that she was the avatar of Phrasma, and wrote this letter essentially like talking crap to you know Mother Thestia about how like you know she had no idea the true power of the goddess and you know da 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 da, -da and how Winter would return and you know lead the people and da da da. And then the next layer was, oh my god, I don't know what happened, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so it's it's been a nice balance for that. Sounds cool. Mm -hmm. That's something to look forward to. All right. Uh, we also talk about projects that we are not working on because we want to support other people. And uh, I will kick us off. Um, about a year ago, uh, Steve Russell, who was a really cool guy yeah. and a publisher uh, who ran Right Publishing, um, got into a terrible car crash and passed away. So uh, to commemorate his, his passing, uh, they released Pathways 67, which like all other Pathways is totally free. So if you play Pathfinder, go and download it and um, find out more about Steve if you didn't already know him. So if you... I think they include the email, but there's a there's an email, um, I'm sure if you ask Right Publishing about what the email address is, if you have any stories about Steve or if you'd like to give a message to his child, because he had just recently had a child before he passed, it's extremely tragic, um, they set up an inbox for people to, like, you know, share share their memories of uh, Steve with his, uh, his kid, so. That's, I, I still remember the, that uh, Gen Con talking to him, drinking way, late into the night at the wear cabbage party. He, he was yeah. a guy, me and him used to be up at all hours, and we used to trade messages on Facebook at 3 a.m. about various things. But he was a very yeah. good guy. I, know, I felt weird somebody on Facebook compared us to um, the Demi Plane of Gaming, which was a, a show just like this one, actually, that he and Owen Casey Stevens did uh, all, a long time ago. Um, I was like, oh, shit. So now we definitely have to talk about Steve yeah. and stuff like this himself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, uh, I, it, I promise it's good stuff. Um, I think we've all written for Pathways except for maybe Duan. But, uh, yeah, check it out. I've not written, but I might have edited something that went in. I don't remember. I wrote some stuff. Uh, I get Quadriel's Tower, which was this... <laughs> if you really want to screw with your players, go go get Quadriel's Tower, because uh, they will become paranoid afterwards. I did uh, Weapons of India for it. I wrote an entire section on weapons. I was actually doing it for a, a, a SCA paper I was writing on a, a pre-16th century North Indian fencing stuff and I actually came across a huge list of their weapons I was converting over to Pathfinder and I'm like would you guys like something like this? And they're like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, uh, no, he's great to work with. He would be oh, yeah. uh, yeah. They're more continuing. Content. Like, right, publishing is not oh, done with or over. Like, his wife is no. totally yeah. taking the, the helm and it's, it's still going. So I gotta send them some stuff. I got a bunch of back content. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever gonna publish this. You guys wanna put it out? Yeah. <laughs> um... Alright guys, so uh, let's talk about favorite projects uh, that are not ours, and we, let's say, 
We had two people say the same thing here, so I, I'll let our guests say it, talk about it a bit more, but uh, it's a humble bundle. Oh, yeah. I'm, really, really, I'm looking forward to this. Like, well, the Doctor Who one? Yeah, yeah. The mm -hmm. one that's the one you put down today. Yeah. <laughs> see, I put it down, too, so I'll let well, you talk about it. Well, he talked to me about it in Facebook chat, yeah. so I put it down for him. Yep. Yeah, like, I, I have never actually played a Doctor Who tabletop. I had no idea there were so many books. Yep. Like, I, like, well, do you guys know anything about it, actually? What? I said, do you guys I, actually I know, know anything about it? Honestly, so, I didn't know it existed so, until y'all brought up. So I, I, so basically, so I actually oh, backed it. Said it. All right. So, um, so yeah, it's a humble bundle. If you guys don't know what humble bundle is, it's you can yeah. donate any amount of money you want. I mean, generally, and the more you donate, the more stuff you get, and it goes to a charity. And you can actually choose what percent of your donation goes to charity, which goes to the developer, and which one goes to as a tip to humble bundle, um, which is really cool. Um, We've run a lot of stuff in the past. It's a great way to get a lot of like old stuff. Like I backed a Sonic one and got like a zillion things. At one point, there was a uh, game developer one that had, if you back us, you get all this free art. I'm like, I can use it for tabletop. I got I got three thousand pieces of artwork from that that one for, for like twenty bucks. Oh snap! Yeah, and I've been using them for years. So, um, anyway, uh, this one is for Doctor Who. It is a um, it gives you the Doctor Who by uh, role-playing game by Cubicle Seven, as well as if you back for just a dollar, I gotta tell you, I just I did. I'm not huge into the Doctor Who role-playing game or anything. Um, I haven't played it. I like Doctor Who, and I love that they have a woman as the next Doctor. Yeah. Um, sorry. We'll talk about it. We'll talk yeah, we'll about, talk about it. it. Um, but the uh, but they um, yeah, it's a bunch of stuff. And if you look at if, if you go down to like twenty-five bucks, you're literally getting I think like twenty-something PDFs. Um, some puzzle games, some stuff like that. And they have companion books for each of the doctors, like starting at the first doctor as a companion book, um, like a source book for, like a, for all the enemies and plot lines and stuff. It's kind of cool. I mean, I haven't looked at it yet. I literally downloaded it or backed it like an hour or two before the show. Though I'd heard about it, I just remembered to do it today. Um, yeah, it looks really as cool. As of this filming, it has uh, about 14 days left. So. Yep. So pick it up, guys. And then, any other projects that, Savannah, you want to prop something? You got something? Uh, I don't have anything in mind this time. Maybe I'll have two for next time. That's okay. I should. I'd say, only pitch, pitch them if they're uh, worth talking about. We don't want to... Uh, I know that, that Jacob Blackman had more releases in his uh, super-powered Iconics yep. line, so that's good. Cool. I'm looking cool. forward to um, Scion and 2nd Edition like by Onyx Publishing. I don't know much about it yet. Like I'm just Scion is probably my favorite thing that White Wolf that White Wolf did. Like cause I even well not the mechanics, the, but the but the you know the the actual whole like the world and everything. I can love it. So I, I'm really looking forward to um the Onyx version of it. Holy with, Jesus with, Christ! With, with hopefully uh, good mechanics. <laughs> he got three hundred thirty-four thousand dollars to make this. What? That's a sign me up. What? That's crazy. That's a ton of money. <laughs> you, just, you need some content written for it, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch, call us. Ton of money. You just, you just, yeah, so is that out yet? or No, it's coming out in October? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, not, it's not out yet. If it was out, I'd be all over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks crazy. I mean, the art looks really nice. So, um... Just... You got... So, yeah. yeah the, cool. um... The Pathfinder, Starfinder news and speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have anything, although uh, 
go on as, as something uh, oh, as God. usual we're going to start off this section with the there's a google drive document where somebody has collected all the info that's been released about starfinder it's like mm -hmm. 70 or 80 pages uh, it's, oh. it'll be in the youtube description so yeah, really really all i really have is uh something that robert said in public on his page like he said that uh like we were in talks for a while, like to between uh start well him and the guy who's doing Starfinder, and um and we were you know discuss, discussing if like if things should be like you know like combined into like you know the same thing or make compatible, but like our themes are pretty even though they're both like sci-fi they're pretty different themes, and we would have to like delay delay for about like a year I think. And, yeah, I remember we uh we talked about it at the the PaizoCon twenty sixteen. Because, uh, yeah, they were jumping in with Legendary, and then Hypercore is already out, and that's like Cyberpunk. And he was like, okay, so what do you, what do you, should, should we do for Starfinder or Pathfinder? I was like, it's ridiculous. Why would you wait to do it for Starfinder? Like, you have all the stuff. Like, yeah. Just do it. Yes. Like, yes, so, yeah, so, so, so we're out now. Like, um, we were like, like a while. I don't, know, I don't know if we still are, but I know for a while we were, we were like the number one selling book on um, Drive Through RPG. So it's doing well. You're talking and about Ethereum, right? Yeah. Ethereum. And and I'll get my uh my my copy of the book soon, like the physical copy. Like it's a huge freaking like five hundred page like hardcover book. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the supplements for it start to come out yet? Like the um, Ethereum Companion or I know intro book. He, he was talking about the propaganda book. I'm pretty sure a few like like minor supplements have come out. I don't think any major ones have come out yet. I'm not sure, but I know I know like there have been like a few things that have come out so far though. Cool. And I know uh, we have like rumblings of want us wanting to do a um like a, a monster manual kind of thing. That's cool. But we have but, like we don't have anything in like the box yet. But like we're talking about it because I I know I want to work on it because I I would freaking love to do it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> So Mike, what is this uh, about D&D Beyond? Yeah, so uh, D&D 5e news and speculation. Uh, yeah, it's coming out on August 15th officially. They're officially coming online, like ever, all, the, all the stuff. August 15th. It'll be $6 a month for GMs, $3 a month for players. And then uh, it's like 29 bucks for if you want to buy one of the adventures digitally, I think, initially. It's going to be on sale or something. Does that give you a copy um, of the adventure? Maybe they're going to be... Opening on sale for nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's like a digital version of Storm King's okay. Thunder. So, so it gives you like the actual PDF too. Uh, no, it gives you access to all that information through the D and D Beyond website. I, I don't think there's PDF. I don't think that's happening. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's. I I'm pretty sure that it's doomed. So and I got laughed because there's a fucking Verge article on it, and every time I see one of these articles, I'm just. It's so hilariously transparent to me. The person writing it has almost not, no, like no fucking knowledge. Like I, I, yeah, I don't know. So, so Mike, here's a here's a kind of a counterpoint. Like I, I think it's gonna go, you know, tits up too. But the thing is, I've seen lots and lots and lots of people on my feed who are not like super hardcore gamers, but you know, they they've rolled dice once or twice, who are like, <laughs> oh, this is so cool. They're making it so approachable. I'm like, huh. I don't know if they're going to be the ones who are actually going to buy it, but you know, it's it's nice to see that. But it also shows. And us it's that important to point out that the the like of the core rules and stuff will remain as a free thing that you can access on the website. That's kind of cool. That at least you know I'm a. So the thing is, though, like I said, there, it's even if we beyond doesn't go well, we can take something away from this. P 
people really like that. So I can just pull up my phone and go top, top, top. Okay, here's my character built into the thing. The GM can see it. In the VTT mobile thing, if it's really clean and nice, people seem to really like it. I mean, I say, personally, I speaking from someone who's primarily RP'd online, to me, it seems like a more advanced version of like an SRD plus yep. some kind of like weird like mush wiki or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a great idea. Like I haven't done a lot of tabletop in person. So when I see something like this, I'm like, wow, this is so much better than what I've been doing. <laughs> because what I've been doing is like typing like plus and then sheet in, in a, in a yeah. mush. And this yeah. is way better. So I think it's great. Like, and I, and as you said, I, I think it's way more approachable than like, and then like I guess just going out and buying like a thirty dollar book, like for like the average person. And yes. it's it's a gateway to get into it. And then when you're really into it, then they'll buy the book, the thirty dollar book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't. I think they're making a mistake with like no kind of like provide us with the UPC code of your D and D. You know, player's handbook, and we'll open up all the options, right? Like that would be an easy thing for them. To yeah, do. yeah. But no, they're gonna try to turn all those, you know, one purchase customers into digital purchase customers of the same product. Yeah, it's not that, I, like, that's kind of weird. Like, I, I would be prepared think, to see that attitude and approach from them for everything. And no, that's weird because, like, uh, no, this is a weird, um, a, a, a weird example, but it's recent because someone just gave me a bunch of Pokemon cards. But, uh, but um, with the Pokemon card game now, you get like these little, um, these little cards in the um, in the pack, and you can scan those to get a free like um electronic pack to play it online. So I don't see why D and D wouldn't do that too. Like it seems like a, like a cool idea. The cost to produce the online product is so abysmally low compared to like the actual physical product shipping it to stores, mm-hmm. retailing, marketing it, advertising it, all that shit. You already done all that work. Like you already have a digital file. Like yeah, I, I, ah, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't. I don't think it. I, mm, we'll see. I'm, I'm not excited about that. Just to be clear, I'm just like it's interesting to see how like more casual players are reacting. Though it's kind of cool. Still no news on uh, DM's Guild being allowed on D&D Beyond, by the way. Still haven't heard mum on that. Um, I told my FLGS this earlier today. He was like, what? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of what's other RPG business, Uh, in an incredibly meta moment, apparently early files of the Cyberpunk 2077 uh, MMORPG have been... uh, stolen by hackers who are now demanding a ransom from CD Projekt Red. That sounds like something that would happen in Cyberpunk, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't want to say that they're asking for it, but... (laughs) It's in genre, that's for sure. It is definitely in genre, and I hope that it doesn't, they don't end up releasing it and they don't get injured in any way, of course. Well, you know what? They're they're LARPing. This is LARPing. That's what it is. For a second, I thought, like, maybe this is, like, a really intense marketing scheme. Like, like viral marketing? Yeah. This is kind of shit that I might try to pull. (laughs) I'm pulling crazy, and I don't have, like, a bunch of money and people who have, like, jobs that, you know, families that depend on their job and me to make sure their job is there, like... Yeah. This has been happening a lot lately, though. Like, a lot of um, movies have been getting stolen by hackers and held for ransom. So it's kind of a trend now, like, yeah. just hacking and stealing Pirates, The last Pirates of the Caribbean was the one yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I just laughed at you. You're like, ah, are you serious? No. <laughs> the, the trailers for them, uh, for some movies, get leaked like months before they're supposed to. You know what you yeah. do in that case? You just go, whatever, and put it down. Don't worry about it. You know? Just want to hack your thing. Got it. it. Here you guys go. You know? So that would. I mean, be- leaking. Leaking is why Deadpool got a movie. So. Oh yeah. Well, that was internal leaking. Yeah. That wasn't a hacker. That was them going, yeah. oops, I dropped this file online. I sure as hell hope nobody shares this. It might make us get a movie. Oh, darn. Here's Ooh. a few million dollars. Now what do we do? I mentioned my uh, friendly local game store owner, and I think this is might be RPG-worthy news. He is the only blind, blind game store owner that we know about in the world. Mm-hmm. And he will be at Gen Con. That's cool. In the Studio 2 publishing booth, uh, which I think is 1929, 2029. I almost said, I, I hope to see him there, but I decided that would be in taste. If you see the to. dude who's like looking around, like sort of like crazy eye, because he can still see like shapes and stuff, uh, he just can't like get like details like faces or anything like that. Um, that is Blind Phil. You will not be offended if you call him Blind Phil. That is, that is <laughs> totally cool with that. Um, I will accede that he is perhaps the only one now, um, but actually at one of the the local game stores in Kent, Washington, uh, he's passed away since. Um, but he was the place is called Blind Dragon because the owner couldn't see. Was blind? Oh That's shit! Cool. I gotta tell him about that. He's gonna want to know. Yep. Oh, uh, he's gonna be sad that he's brothers in arms, man. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy who's gonna be sad, but he's like, but. That makes me the only blind game store. <laughs> I know for a fact I mean, could have come out of his mouth. They are, by definition, more common than you thought they were, though, Mike. So yes. there could yes. be another one. Guys, if you uh, if you know of a blind game store owner, please uh, direct them to us, because yes. we are very invested in this topic, and we really want to know if there are other ones. True. <laughs> uh, so what's this? You had something about SCA? Oh, did I put that on here? Oh yeah, so I had a really interesting conversation with a bunch of people on SCA event. If you guys don't know, SCA is like recreation stuff, and we were doing a bunch of fighting with rapiers and swords, and there were like 20 of us in the... My uncle was old, hardcore SCA. Oh, there's like still old, hardcore started. SCA around, trust me. I fought yeah. them. I got bruises to show it. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's too fucked up to do it anymore. So, um, I was talking with this guy, um, some high-ranking dude with a crown and everything. I, I don't think he was a... Uh, he was at least... He was one of the people who addressed as Your Excellency. Uh, not uh-huh. one that is a ruling active king or baron or anything, but... Um, and they go... They were having some conversation. They go, Oh, Scott does that stuff. I'm like, Hi. Um, so I got pulled into that conversation. It was very interesting to talk about... Because there are a lot of different levels of, like, players. There was a venture captain from Pathfinder there. There was a really casual new player. There are some people who have been playing for 20 years, and this guy, who sounds like he was rolling dice before I was even in a diaper. Um, so, it was really interesting to see what games came out of their mouth. A lot of times, it was Pathfinder. Everyone said, the one thing people could agree on was Pathfinder, which is kind of cool to see. But the other thing is, like, Traveler Pathfinder is up. a game designer's game in the way that Frank Sinatra is a singer's singer. I can see that. And, um... So yeah, they so everyone was kind of able to connect on that, but he, the question came up: What is your favorite, um, like hard sci-fi space game? Or even sorry, I think he said science fiction game. He didn't say hard sci-fi. And weirdly enough, most people said Traveler. I mean, no one said it's oh. weirdly enough, but that's kind of cool to me that like I haven't played a lot of Traveler. I've I've had I've made the characters. I've, I think I played in one game at one point. Um, 
for the books. It but was the first big sci-fi RPG. Yep. Yeah. And I was actually kind of getting the vibe, if we want to throw it back a little bit, are you guys excited for Starfinder? And one of the venture captains was like, <laughs> I can't tell you I because uh, I've read it. I was in their playtest <laughs> stuff. Um, but everyone else was like, yeah, we're, 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 we're hesitant but excited. And I'm like, I wonder how that Pathfinder, like, you don't think of like them as competing, like Pathfinder is competing directly with like Traveler, but it definitely could. Well, that's, so I, I was on the Nerd Hole radio podcast the other day, and I, I really zoned in on what it is about the Starship thing that has me all about, because that's what I think is the make or break for Starfinder, right? Mm-hmm. So people who watch the show, you know this already, but I think it's going to be coming down to Starship combat. If it's too good, and you don't want to get out of the ship, that's not going to work, and I'm going to tell you in a, in a second why. And if it's not good enough, then you're not going to want to get in the ship, and it's not going to feel like space part of the, the whole game is involved. And they were saying one in ten games should be about the ship uh, in the Adventure Pass. I think that's going to change to more like three out of ten, or maybe uh, four, uh, four out of fifteen. But um, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The reason I think that this is so important is that Paizo has succeeded on the strength of their their growing IP, mm-hmm. right? Like it's about uh, oh god, I can't believe I'm blanking on the names. About Varys and uh, what's the name of the barbarian lady? I know this one. I don't remember what uh, you're talking about. The Iconics. The Iconics yeah. and, like, Galarian and the richness of the setting. And it's, like... And when they release stuff, like, we were talking the last episode about how Pathfinder Unchained, there was definitely something Amiri. with an eye. That's, that's her name. Amiri. Thank you, Amiri. Yes. Amiri is the barbarian. Um, right. So, like I said, we, we remember two of the names of the Iconics, which I feel is good, because I can only remember two names from characters in fucking Scott Realms. Hmm. Uh, so they're on equal footing there. But... But yeah, uh, we were talking about Pathfinder and Change. That somebody had an auxiliary remote when they were doing it, yeah. and that we're probably going to see a lot of the Pathfinder and Change stuff as game mechanics in Kingmaker, because you can't use just like the OGL D and D system to make a video game. It's, it's explicitly forbidden in, in the license. By the way, real so, quick, um, uh, Valeros. I always confuse with this guy. Valeros. That's his name. Um, I know this guy Celos in the SCA, and he's a he's he's definitely a fighter's fighter. I'm always like, yeah, Celos. I mean, Valeros. Yeah, same thing. Oh. <laughs> oh, beats people with so, sticks. To get back to the space stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you're always stuck in the ship, then you're not going to be going around and venturing in all these rich, lush planets that they want to to you to become invested in to make the IP of Starfinder as valuable as the IP of Pathfinder. Huh, that's an interesting thought. And that's why it's so important that the, the spaceship thing has the right balance. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe that I danced around that for like... No, no, two no. I, it was a good entryway. I got it. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I I feel that uh, if the if the starship stuff is as strong as like, you know, exploring planets and everything, mm-hmm. you can just choose to have the kind of campaign that you want. Like, I, I what I enjoy I'm, about... Uh, I'm sure people will just choose to have the campaign that they want, but Paizo yeah. needs their subscription model to keep functioning for everything yeah. else to keep working. Yeah. So like they have to please that core, and if they're gonna bring the Pathfinder people over, it yeah. has that the balance has got to be there. Otherwise, you're gonna get this Mass Effect feel to exploring mm-hmm. the universe, and I know that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that. I should say I, I strongly <laughs> believe that's not what they want. I, I really hope they have strong uh, ship stuff because you know I want I have that entire uh, utopian sci-fi it's, setting already written up, and I really want to do I want to do me some like Babylon Five Star Trek stuff with it it's uh i mean like i think it's gonna be good all the all the all the stuff says it's gonna be good i'm really looking forward to playing it at mm-hmm. some point hopefully at gen con 
So, no, uh, shockingly, there are not really many rules for boats, as far as I know. I mean, like in regular, like Pathfinder or D and D. So, I oh, vehicle rules, and they're, vehicle. they're there, but they're weird. Mm -hmm. So uh, I actually I did a. Um, they were called the Necro Orcas, I think it was. They were essentially orcas that had been turned into undead and scooped out to be like submarines. We covered that in uh, the review of like episode four, I think. Uh, oh, yep, yep. Uh, so it was really weird the building only one those to get the because. What's that? This is the only one to get a shuriken. Ooh. Mike, I have a product I'm working on that accidentally gets the shuriken, by the way. When it comes out, I will, I will go, Mike, you just need to read this one line, please. <laughs> um, so I actually had a chance when I was doing. But no, that. Uh, the vehicle rules are in yeah. all, for anyone curious. It's ultimate campaign, right? Or no, ultimate combat. Originally ultimate they combat were. No, well, they were weird and hard to work with. They were, but they were expanded in I think skull and shackles. They had a thing for boats. Um, That's under it. Uh, but so I took we took some of the stuff from both of those, and when we were doing Necropunk, we actually had we did. All right, vehicle rules are really stupid. Here's how <laughs> we suggest you do them. And it was weird that you mentioned the necro orcas because you know what? We have living ships too. So it's like, yeah, they, they work a lot better. Living, unliving. Well, I mean, this is In necropunk, so. Frankly, we had a bunch of kaiju and we did them all differently. So one was like a collective team magic item, one was a magic item, one was just like a massive suit, one was like a tiny kind of magical suit, and like some of them had vehicles and some of them didn't. But yeah, we were like, eh, if people don't want to use those, we should have some options around, right? Yeah. So. For, uh, and then two, we uh, did, uh, 2099 country. Wasteland has two pages of 5e vehicle rules mm -hmm. for anyone. So, um, Mike, I hear in the other media of interest section, I hear there is a uh, something about this was also taken Skippy. off uh, Duan's Duan's Facebooking. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to cover that, or should I? Do you want to? The, the, the cami what thing. What did I say? The, the cami thing on. Uh, oh ESPN. yeah, it's freaking insane. Like, uh, right. So, yeah, like, so can you get a screenshot of Cammy, dude? Just like yeah, Google Cammy, it'll be the first thing. She's always in the same outfit. But like, so like during uh, the 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 um, Evo tournaments, um, which, which is, is professional the, fighting no, games, the, by the way, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, ESPN like walks up to like one of the guys who are in a match, and they like they whisper to him, and they're like, "You gotta like you know change her outfit." And this is the basic the the Cammy outfit that she's had forever since like the dawn of Street Fighter. And yeah. it's not advertiser friendly, so they needed her. They needed it to be changed. It's freaking insane. Like I don't. It's just like a green leotard, and then she's got some like camo paint on her legs and boots, and like yeah. red gloves and a hat and braids. And that's mm -hmm. it. It's up on the screen yeah. too. So yeah, yeah, the um, but yeah, so they actually asked him to change his costume, which has no effect, to a, yeah. to a less revealing one, and it's like, okay. Like this, this is not even as skimpy as like what people actually wear in a lot of events. Yeah, yeah, that's freaking. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like eyes. it's just like the bros being like, "We're <laughs> glad that this is here," and like that's it. Like that's it. Savannah, you got know. a very uh, hard set grin on your face there, like you were trying to hold something back. <laughs> <laughs> I no worries. Keep going. Okay. Well, you have a better perspective of this than we do. I would, I would think. Yeah. I suppose uh, I I spaced slightly and was like, okay, so I have a reactionary comment, but I'm just not <laughs> going to say it because I might be out of context. So. But yeah, but yeah, the whole thing is just like Cammy having to change her, the guy having to change his outfit for Cammy because it's you know not advertiser friendly. Oh my god. At a pro gaming tournament, that is just so yeah. absurd. 
Well, at least um, pro gamers were in the news for something other than being a dick. Yeah, really. <laughs> so that's new. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something. Take a get. Uh, you saw Dunkirk? How was it? So I, so I have this. I work with Justice League Arizona. We do uh, costume visits to like hospitals. I do Batman. To see sick kids as Batman. So we have a relationship with a guy who has a relationship with WB. And he gets into us into a lot of uh, screenings. We do a lot of their screening. I'm, I'm the Batman at a lot of screenings for like DC movies. My wife is the Wonder Woman and all that stuff. And there's like a bunch of our members with like 60, 80. Um, but sometimes we have to go to other movies because he's like, we need to fill seats at a premiere. Do you want to go? And we're like, all right. So I saw Dunkirk. Um, I got violently ill because it was a uh, IMAX and I was on the left side and it's really loud and obnoxious. But it's a good movie. It's like up there with Saving Private Ryan in terms of like tone, not in terms of like skill. It's definitely a Christopher Christopher Nolan movie into its DNA. It has like manufactured Dutch angles, weird perspectives on half the stuff. Um, there is the wah noise all the time too. Wow. It blows out the bass and like made me literally violently ill. Um, my wife and everyone else was fine except for one of my friends had the same reaction. Um, but it's a really, it's a war movie's war movie. Um, like, they got, and there's some of those beautiful shots you'll ever see of, like, Falkers or, like, Spitfires, like, that old World War II style, like, dogfights. They got everything right down to, like, the littlest detail. Uh, they actually had one of the guys who worked kind of with them on the uh, vintage plane stuff actually come in and everything. They have, like, scale models they use. Some of the most gorgeous cinematography you'll see. Um... But all the characters, except for, like, two, are completely disposable. Um, but the, I'm not sure that the dehumanizing element isn't actually what the, he was going for. Because it was like, these are a bunch of soldiers, they're not unique, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. If you like war movies, go see Dunkirk. If you do not like war movies, run away screaming. It is a war movie's war movie's war movie. What was their symbolism? Oh my god, it's, it, it's Christopher <laughs> Nolan, what do you expect? Um, yes, there were the Also, I just, uh, I just caught up on the ESPN thing. I think I wasn't quite processing because I've not <laughs> done Street Fighter. Yeah. Oh. So. It's, yeah, it's the blonde British lady. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I feel like my, my feelings are still confused because there's that, like, annoying line between, like, empowerment and objectification. Mm-hmm. And, like, arguably this is objectification. Arguably. But, like, they definitely should have, like, street like street fighter and fighting games, they always have skimpy outfits. Yeah. Not saying it's right, but I am saying that anyone who was thinking this was going to be a problem should have, you know, looked through the roster and been like, okay, because of our broadcasting standards... Please choose these costumes, we'll use you know? Please these outfits. Yeah. So... So one thing about one still thing about those, game one thing is about those games though is that while it is definitely a hypersexualized thing, the guys are not immune to it either. Like, yeah. have you seen Vega? Yeah, but it's also kind of like uh, people say, oh well, you know, they're skimpy lady barbarians, but look at Conan, he's only wearing a loincloth. Oh yeah, I, I know what you mean. That's yeah. that's not meant for like the female gaze. That's a male yeah. power fantasy. It totally is. Yeah. Like, yeah. the, 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 the main distinction here, I feel, is that there, there's no dick print. You, you, don't, yeah. you, don't, you don't see the dick. Yeah, there, 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 there's nothing there to arouse a lady boner, as it were. 
Well, there was that 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 recall Mortal Kombat three with bestialities in it. <laughs> yep. I still Wait, got that. that like, Mike, that is not what that that's not a lady boner thing. Trust me. <laughs> no. no. Hopefully not. There's a bad translation. Hopefully not. No, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Oh. So, um, have you guys seen Castlevania yeah, you yet? Here. Yeah, you, this is incorrect. You have it saying that Castlevania was good. <laughs> Castlevania was fucking excellent. So he, here's what I have to say. It was the excellent. It felt like the excellent first two episodes of a much more interesting series. Like the animation oh, was gorgeous at time, but it felt. But from what I've gathered, it was really a matter of like. So they were really testing out the waters with this thing, and when it is on point, it is freaking amazing. But there's certain things that I afterwards I sat there and I was like. I enjoyed that, but something they're was not missing. Testing the waters, they're they're testing the new piloting system. We talked about this in the last episode, right? I don't think so. About how cables collapse. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, you did mention yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a this is the way they're gonna do pilots from now on. They're gonna shut them out. Yeah. Like here's the first three or four episodes on Netflix because we're not gonna spend thirteen episodes worth of money because we yeah. had X number of flops that nobody watched, even though everyone loves. You know, this is the Orange is the New Black or whatever. It kind of reminds me of like the BBC model. Yeah, like they just bit, don't yeah. have as long of seasons as American shows do, and it's like, oh wait, this isn't working. We can reverse. Or do something probably a little inspiration from that. Yeah. I've I've only seen the first, uh, well, an episode and a half so far. So you've watched um, half the series. Huh? You've watched about half the series at that point. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've seen half the series, uh, but uh, when I first uh, saw the animation, I was like, wow, this reminds me of something from like one of those 90s MTV or HBO, like late night animation. Yep, like Spawn and or then, something? There yeah, were spots of it that felt like Animatrix. Like, Very much so. With Animatrix with that yeah. like, really cool, flowy kind of... So here's, then, here's something that really bothered me was they had that gorgeous animation, that really like high res, like you can tell they spent like a lot of money on those scenes. And then there's some scenes when the crowd is yelling and no one's mouth is moving. Uh, yeah, that's, I haven't seen it, but that's what I hear, like random common people or whatever. Yes. Like no effort went into them. Yeah, like there, there's certain parts that they're, they're like, look at this gorgeous thing. Like like the, the, the Cyclops fight is so cool. And like the bar yeah. fight's cool. And the vampire-ish, I won't spoil anything. The vampire-ish fight is cool. Yeah. But then they had these really like, minimally animated scenes in the middle of it and like if it was any other series I'd be like oh I don't really care but they have such like, such a dissonance like oh yeah. my god that's some of my favorite animation I've ever seen and then why is this guy standing there like this as as a Belmont well, I don't spoil anything, runs that way you know and you're like no, good it, it reminds me of uh Dragon Ball Z Kai, which was like uh, the uh, remastering of yeah, yeah. Dragon Ball Z, and they just kind of um, spliced in remaster animation, and with the animation from like, the 80s and the early yep. 90s, and it was atrocious to look at, but <laughs> it's just so You can totally weird. tell which is which. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I didn't notice that at all when I was watching it. I was, I think that that was definitely like an intentional, we are going to spend more money and time on the things we want you to look at. Oh, totally. There's but I, I, I didn't notice me. it either. I, I didn't notice yeah. it actually. So well, I the first notice, episode's I a little so wrapped into what was going on. Like, yeah. Was, oh. <laughs> while I will agree, it was a little bit slow for the setup. I think we're gonna see twelve to thirteen episodes, and then like episode two will be. I don't know. We're, I think we're gonna see a, a original Star Wars type arc going on here. Yep. Yeah. The um the cool thing is they already have another season two greenlit, 
Um, and, it's, and it's eight episodes for this one. The first season nice. is four. Oh, just eight? It's just oh, eight. Oh, that's a surprise. No, but good. So the first one ended up being, I think, if you total up the entire thing, it was 90 minutes of animation, which is basically a TV movie that they broke into four episodes for yeah. some reason. Um, so they could say they had a series and not a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next one is going to be, like, I think kind of in that same vein, like, it'll just basically be two movies shoved together, um, which is fine. I Again, the, the, the setup and the premise worked really well for it. Dude, can you tell me that it did not feel like an RPG game, by the way? Or hell, <laughs> like Castlevania, it felt like a lot. And that's great. They, they knew their audience. They knew their they knew what attracted people to the game, and mm. it worked so well. How was the music, by the way? Sexy. But say it wasn't one of those things that like, yeah. like was like, oh yeah, the music. It was like it was good. It it, 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 it wasn't Symphony of the Night. Yeah. It, like, it, yeah. Well, yeah, nothing Symphony of the Night. Sadly. So um, so the next thing we have here is oh, oh so my, yeah, it will be three. Oh, okay, All right. So, Lady Doctor Who in all capitals. Hey guys, yeah. I hear this oh. was a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm gonna talk about this first because I've never seen Doctor Who and I'm probably the farthest removed. <laughs> um, good for them. I'm amazed it took 13 Doctors to get a woman. Like, yeah. uh, I'm glad you're amazed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like. <laughs> Of all the places I'd expect them to be on top of it, be over there. So yeah. uh, they're generally more sensible than to, they are. To be fair, they did have uh, Missy two seasons earlier. Was it two yeah. seasons or one season? It was two. It was about two seasons. Yeah, uh, Missy, who is the master, who is his foil. Minor spoiler, guys. I mean, it's been. Yeah. I'm sent. <laughs> it's one of the longest running TV shows. You you had your chance. Um, that's just like fifty years. Yeah, you've you've been warned, <laughs> yeah. I guess. They find like lost archived episodes in places, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they well, they're actually missing some from the first season, by the way. Still, yeah, first two seasons. Last year, I heard a story in NPR about. But yeah, anyway, they um, the master's his foil, and and the, its last incarnation was a woman, so it was kind of like hinting at it a little bit, and everyone was yeah, like, yeah. "I think they kind of tested the waters with that," and everyone was went, "Oh my god." Um, so, the funny thing is, everyone, there's all these memes going around about people being butthurt about it. Yeah. On my, on my feed, I don't see a lot of that. But, I I made the mistake of going to 4chan. Oh my god, they are, they are, I go to TG, it's fun. I I, I go to TG, it's fun. But yeah, people are freaking shits. Um, where was it? Freaking, there was, yeah, freaking... Yeah, sure, I don't know. Right. I'm still pissed. There are no female space marines. Like, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, they try to appease it with the the nuns with guns, but I think that we have to have that at some point. Though the neckbeards will eat their own beard in rage whenever that happens. I but, for one am um, down for it. Having watched all of um New Who so far, yep. I could I I my my myself my my opinion is that um. Like throughout this entire season, they've been foreshadowing it so oh, yeah. hard. Totally, they practically hit you over the hit with a like a brick with it, and people are shocked. And that's the most hilarious thing about it. That, that just means they haven't watched it. Yeah. Like, Wait, you weren't watching it before, and you won't watch it now? Or, yeah. Because it's a girl. Oh darn! No loss. <laughs> yeah. And it's no, like I a, have to say. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and some people are saying it's it's a, a, a PR like marketing strategy, but how is it a marketing strategy when people have been asking for this since like the end of like Smith, like really like very vocal about it, and they've clearly like been testing like testing around with doing it, but people were like, well, no, this suddenly happened out of the blue because the ratings for one season were, were bad. 
It's, it makes no fucking sense. But yeah, I'm just glad that the doctor is a gender-neutral term, because yep. I actually didn't like the... And I don't watch enough Who to have a, a ton of grounding, but the, like... The master becoming like Missy, as in like yeah, the mistress. Yeah. Like I, I didn't like that because it yeah. seemed very kind of like Missy, such a, a dominionizing sounding name, and like yeah. that kind of bothers me. So, and here's the thing with that though: in the series, she goes, "I am the master," and she, but she'd use the name Missy as like a code name ahead of time. Ooh, okay. And then they kind of adopted it a little bit. So, yeah. and she does it because she's playful and weird and likes to mess with people. Yeah. So she hid her who she was for a while, like calling herself Missy instead of the Master. Yeah. And then everyone went, "Oh my God, it's the Master!" You know what I mean? So it, it was much more a like. Again, it's not the best way to do do it. I mean, they've also yeah. they, they've tested this out though. They had Clara basically become the Doctor for an episode. They had um, actually more than one episode. Uh, they had Sarah. Was it wasn't Sarah Jane Smith? Who was the one, the redhead older woman? Donna. Yeah, they had, Donna, Don, yeah. they had Dr. Donna. Donna for a few episodes, or an episode or two. They had um, the doctor's daughter, which is great. She yeah. left off in a spaceship to go have adventures, and we never yeah. hear from her again. Yeah, what the hell? But um, she married David Tennant, so that's something, I guess. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, I want to add that there was, I heard about some, like, blowback uh, resulting from this, uh, like, in a, in a larger sense. Like, they, somebody or released all of the, uh, the like, the BBC... I don't think it was the BBC. I think somebody else did it. But all the payment scale, basically. And, oh, yeah, like, the highest that. paid woman was eighth. And she was paid Ugh. three times less than, like, the, I think, nearest guy. And then the highest paid ethnicity was uh, a dude at 25th. Ugh. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I On the one hand, it's kind of shitty that, like, if that was released by somebody else. If it, if it was by BBC trying to be, like, Ford Mind, like, we're going to fix this then, like, that's great, but I don't think it was. I think it was, like, a sabotage. The other thing that was released was a collection of all the stills of that actress who has done... She doesn't, like, porn or anything, but she did, like, things where she was, like, topless or something. And yeah. they released all of that. And my only reaction is this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, I think oh, it was the, 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 the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's BS. And it's, like, technically, you can go watch those movies. Who the hell cares? Yeah. The Daily Mail is garbage, though, so, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like the Inquirer here. Like, yeah, you have to be a crazy person to take it seriously or buy it. But it's one of those yeah. things where it's like that's scummy. Come on, guys, we're better than this. Time a dozen. Yeah. All right. So now we're talking about Kickstarters. Woo. I found one today that I think is neat. It's called Retreats. It's absurdist uh, Starfinder adventure. Mike, I, I will correct you on one thing here as a Discordian, which means I am an absurdist uh, philosophically. It is absurd adventures in space. Not they're not absurdists. Oh, I'm sorry. It's adventures in absurdity as well. Yeah, that's what it is. Adventures in absurdity. And I'm like, I'm like, trust me. They are not. They are not adhering to a uh, form of existentialism. They are. They are. They are running around doing Futurama stuff, which is awesome. I, I'm so yeah. psyched for that book. It's, uh, it's supposed to be about humor, and uh, it should be cool. Uh, they have well over their goal. They're almost uh, at three thousand dollars. They only asked for a thousand. They've got ninety-five backers, and there's forty-three days to go. So there's lots of time to get on board. Uh, check it out. I will leave a link in the YouTube. So, um, the next thing is uh, Warriors of Charlemagne again? You still want yeah, to that? John Kennedy was talking about this last yeah, yeah. show. Uh, it's out and madly overfunded already, right? Yeah, oh my god, uh, yeah. it's so overfunded. 
they launched this week and are uh, 30,000 after asking for 10 and they have 36 days to go. So that's off like a rocket. So um, there's one that I put on there, but I think is probably, I think they were ending like today sometime. I can't remember if they are. Um, I'll look, I'll look. Okay. Uh, yes, it is over. Uh, okay. Oh, well, damn, they got a lot of money. Yeah, Blood and Plunder I mentioned before because I followed them because they have really, really, really pretty miniatures. I don't want to play the game, but it's really cool. They have this, like, uh, it's like Age of Sail uh, game, but they actually managed to include a lot of weird ethnicities that you wouldn't expect, like, normally to be associated with a pirate game. I won't say it's weird ethnicities. Yeah. I mean, like, in, in that, I mean that they're not ones that are typically Dutch represented. Dutch and Native yeah. Caribbean miniatures. Yeah, very so, uncommon, yeah. So they have a lot of, like, uh, they have these really cool, beautifully sculpted, well-researched in terms of names. I actually watched some of their stuff, and they were talking about their research into it. Um, Native Caribbean stuff. And mm. so, guys, by the way, is it, how do you guys pronounce it? Caribbean or Caribbean? Because there's... I, I say Caribbean. Caribbean? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I say Coast. Caribbean, Caribbean unless I'm talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I think it's Caribbean. Caribbean. That's it. That's yeah, it. it both are right, I've heard, but um, I don't know. I grew up East Coast, so Caribbean. Um, I blame pirates. <laughs> but yeah, they. Um, you know, this is making me think that the Dutch really got away with, like, they got away with it, man. Like, they rolled around and they were assholes for a long time. Oh, yeah. And, like, everybody forgot. No, I, well, I didn't forget. Wow, the pictures on their Kickstarter page are gorgeous. They like, are. the mini setups they have. Oh, and they, and they do oh, yeah, these no, live the streams all the time. Totally look gorgeous, yeah. They do these live streams. That's why I, I don't actually, I haven't actually bought anything from them, but I, I put them on my Facebook because they keep popping up with these gorgeous, like, videos. You're like, Look at our terrain. We're going to play this game and this thing that probably, you know, took more hours than you put into your, you know, degrees to make. And it is just a work of art. I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to play any game there. I don't I don't care if your rules are good or bad. I just want to play a game on that table. Yep. Um, there's another one I want to talk about called Hands of, or Hand of Glory. Um, and it, that one you can back right now. But Blood and Plunder, by the way, always has Kickstarters coming out. Um. I'll let you guys know when the next one is, but, um, yeah. And of Glory is a dubious name. I know. I <laughs> so, they also kind of really oversell what they are. They're like, this will change the game entirely. The stories you can tell and the this and the... What it is is it's a bunch of hands you can attach to miniatures that they're selling with rare <laughs> magnets. But it's really cool. It, it seems cool, yeah. Uh, I think this would be a great chance to... Uh, I was actually reading... I get most of my Tumblr from Facebook, weirdly. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was talking about fancy like prosthetic limbs mm -hmm. uh, and it's like oh yeah there's this orc chieftain who lost her arm strangling a dragon to death so she had her shaman make a new magical arm you know with its bones for her arm and its teeth for her fingernails <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. I think they should do some hella cool like fancy prosthetics oh they totally should they, they actually do it they, all they have in there is a prosthetic is a okay and that one of them but yeah they basically are these minis that they're selling that are like kind of cut off at the wrist and the hands are all holding different weapons, and they're all in different positions, so you can kind of, like, add swords or axes or torches or banners or cool things like that. I but feel like they should also sell the magnets, because the problem is is that you'd have to buy these little magnetic yeah. stump arm minis. And it'd be cool, like, I know people who totally mod their minis, and you could, like, snip off their hands and put a little magnet on there. And then so, to be fair, this, this came to my attention because it's a 40k trick. Um, because when you get those 40k miniatures, um, they're really expensive. And you don't want to have to get, this is a LAS gun guy, and this one's a, um, this one's a, a LAS pistol guy. Mm -hmm. So people will put, will paint arms and attach little, they'll either do pinning or they'll do a tiny rare earth magnets like that. 
So this is actually a really old trick, especially useful on like tanks that are like a bazillion dollars to buy. And then you're like, well, I'm gonna put these, the thing comes with four different attachments you can put on it, but you can only use one of them in your game. So you're like, all right, that sucks. So what they do is attach a, a magnet to the base of it and put it on top of the tank and it goes in. So honestly, if you bought these, I bet you could just snip your thing and just toss a little magnet on there. You can buy the, they're called like pinning magnets or something. Yeah. What they're actually called. That's what we always call them. Um, and I mean, honestly, it's a rare earth magnet. It'll probably attach to most things. Even a piece of metal you just toss on there. So, but they're really cool. We gotta go check them out. They got a, they got a while on there. Um, I actually don't know what it is. Oh yeah, so the initial video is just like them being like, this will change the, the way you tell stories. I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's cool. It's mini hands. You don't need to be like, you don't have to be like, this is revolutionary. Uh, oh no, Scott, you gotta hand it to <laughs> I see what you did there. This is the sound of one hand clapping. Um, so, um, the Yellow King, tell us about that, guys. Yes, yeah, Anna. Yeah, so I haven't looked into it a ton myself, uh, but I am terribly interested because I feel like the Yellow King is like, so there's the Cthulhu as a genre is, you know, very oversaturated, uh, but Cthulhu as the specific monster is the most oversaturated, I feel like. Of them, yeah. Uh, like, everyone knows what Cthulhu is at this point, mm -hmm. like, even if you're not in the, the, the community, as it were. Uh, but it's interesting that everything seems to be shifting towards Haster. Which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, like the, the Strange Aeons game for uh, Pathfinder, the Yellow King, that sort of thing. Um, and Some of them might have to do with yeah. this contested IP rights of, of Lovecraft. Yeah. Because some of the, that, like, I that. remember some third edition books got pulled. Hmm, interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I, this is probably, I'll probably, I will probably have some updates because I know that the GM for my Call of Cthulhu game backed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is probably what we'll play once it's out and in hand. So, uh, stay tuned. What was that show with the detective, the true detectives or something? Had some connection to it? I only watched like an episode or two. Uh, yeah. It was connected to really weird stuff. I'm not sure if it was like... It could probably be seen as modern, like, Lovecraftian-esque. Okay, so it wasn't, like, actually Lovecraft. I'm say, I watched an episode no. or two, it was really interesting, but I was also really bored at parts, and I was just like, ah, I can go watch Law & Order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm terrible I with that, watch but... watch it sober, because, yeah, they were just, like, boring parts. Yep. So, um, did anyone else have any other Kickstarters to talk about? I don't, but, you know, thinking about uh, Cthulhu... Uh, the weird thing about it, um, when it comes to making a game out of it, is that a lot of the time people will actually make it a monster. It's kind of weird to me, I guess, mm -hmm. because Cthulhu is more of a presence. If it has stats, you can kill it, type of thing. Have you not yeah. played Cthulhu Saves the World yet? I haven't. I've heard of it. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. It's so good. It's very silly. It's so good. <laughs> it's like a dollar. Go buy it. It's amazing. It's the best dollar you'll ever spend. Okay. <laughs> so, um... So now our guest has a chance to talk for as much as time as they want, I mean, within reason here, about whatever they want, and uh, we'll join oh. in, I'm sure. So, uh, free talk, man, go for it, take it away. You want to talk about Cthulhu, or...? Uh, well, actually, right now, uh, I've been... Since I haven't really been doing, like, writing stuff other than, like, you know, RPing, I've been focusing, like, on a lot of music stuff right now, 
Mm-hmm. Like I've I've been doing like um I've been making music since about around this time last year, and I've like kind of progressed to a point where I'm actually like making songs. So I've made about seven. I'm doing I'm doing a seven. I'm, I'm doing a ten shitty songs project where yeah. I just I um where I, I just I, I I focus on I read a book I forgot what book I read but I read a book that said that you should just um fucking you should just make stuff like no oh, yeah. like and just try and focus on making try to focus on wanting the bad outcome because the bad outcome means that you you learn something and you progress yeah so I so I came up with like a the you know the ten shitty songs project where I just I'm making songs until I make ten songs and then I'll be comfortable with making music. And I've actually learned a lot from doing this. I've only I've been making the actual songs for about three months, and I've learned so much in that short span of time. And then uh, after I'm done with this, I'm going to do like a mini album sort of thing, and just try to see where that goes. And you know, just I'm just trying to do. I, I love music, and I'm like um, I, I'm actually heavily into like uh like the whole Japanese idol scene and stuff like that. And I love like the producers and like and the self-produced idols and everything. So. I and I, I know a lot of DJs who produce. It's just really fun, you know. I so I, I'm very passionate about it. That's why I'm working on that right now. But I'm also I also really want to do you know more table hop. So so, <laughs> so what is, what is your genre, man? Are, are you genre neutral? What are you, what are your, what's your genre? Oh, uh, as far as music, I'm really I'm I'm really much uh, like into doing like electronic like style music. I right now I I guess I have a a very uh, 80s or 90s style by default because oh, my synthesizers it. are all crappy and free. Yep, so. yep. <laughs> so uh, so full disclosure, when I was young, when I was like 12 to like 16, um, I used to actually do that stuff. I used to do a bunch of mixing way back when. Um, I actually had like the I actually had like the turntable and everything like that I could sync up to my computer and everything. I yeah. used to have my acid my you know my <laughs> my acid program and stuff, and I used to actually make music for a while. Um, I just popped a link in the uh, chat there. It is not good. It is not amazing, but it is uh, it's a lot of fun. I used to do like remix for old video game themes and stuff. Um, I haven't touched that in like ten years. But dude, it is so much fun to do. It yeah. is such a creative like outlet that you can explore in weird yeah. ways that you don't normally think about. You know? Yeah, yeah. I really love uh, like internet music, like meme music and stuff. Just like these <laughs> random internet producers just doing stuff. Like Frank JFC, he's freaking amazing. I love all of his stuff. And it's just like I just love to like experiment. I don't like to be in, in a genre box because no, I, I just want. I get it, dude. Yeah, so I love to just be free to just do whatever I want to do. <laughs> do you have a Bandcamp or anything? I, that you can I just right now I just have uh, my SoundCloud because I'm just like and, and after I'm done with my ten songs, I'll have like Bandcamp and everything. Ooh. But um, but yeah, my SoundCloud is uh, uh Duan Sparkles because that's my that's my stage name. I love it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so my my old stuff's up on uh on YouTube on uh, Newgrounds because I was that cool. I oh, also wow. have I also have the weird thing of like. Someone used some of my music in a game and tagged me, and I was like, "Cool, <laughs> all right, man." It was a terrible game that was made in like ten minutes. But, oh you know. shit, man! You're down to Philly. Oh yeah, yeah. Steph is going down to Philly for the weekend, actually. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just a six-hour drive from uh, Pittsburgh if you're on. The just, just a six-hour drive, you know, no big deal. <laughs> it's not that bad. I, I did it last time we went. I just drove us in the morning, then I drove us home the same day. <laughs> See, I, I did a. I did a I was three like, hour it's like two energy drinks or a fucking hotel room. I just. I'd say I, I did a trip all the way up to northern Arizona. Wait, wait, north or south? I think it was. Oh, it was north. Yeah, it was fast paced. Um, but yeah, gorgeous country up there. Three hours each way, but worth it. 
got through a lot of uh, that last Ender book, which, oh my god, man. Just... No, next time I'm in Philly, I'll remember to hit you up ahead of time. Uh, there's oh, yeah. a place on Race Street that I've been trying to go to called uh, uh, East Asian Harbor Restaurant. They have a giant yellow sign mm. right across from Dim Sum Garden. And every time I go, I like I got I was suggested by like a local Chinese woman to me. Mm. Like, this is a good place to go. Every time I fucking go, they're catering an event. Ah. <laughs> oh. And and like I when I do this, I starve myself. Like I because I know I'm gonna get dead yeah. some the next day. I just don't eat anything for like oh. at least 24 hours. And then like I'm told like twice now, twice now, like no dim sum. And I have to go somewhere else, and it's just not like I don't know. Have you gotten to go there? Do you do, you do dim sum? Or I, don't know. I, ha I haven't been there at all. Like, I've been to a lot of um, Chinese places in the city, but I haven't been there specifically though. All right. But so, if, if they're catering like all the time, they must be amazing. Yeah. That's what I'm fucking saying. Like weddings and stuff. Like it costs a lot of money to rent out a restaurant like that. Like oh. yeah. Right, Mike, you Mike, I mean, it means it must be good then, right? I know, and that's what kills me because it just makes you matter. And I'm like, can I please just order one thing of dumplings? Just like, oh, no. So, Mike, you remind me of something here. I had a out of body experience yesterday. Um, I ordered, I ordered like I was like, wife went out to eat with her mom, and she's like, get whatever you want, get something Asian, she's do Asian. And I went to this place. I actually did Indian. I did went to it's called Pastries and Chot. Pastries, just one big N and Chot. Um, and I just ordered it kind of blind, like, that sounds good. And I had, like, orgasmic food. <laughs> they, they had, so you guys know what paneer is? It's like a, that cheese curd the thing. So it was, a, it was a marsala, like a tiki marsala, like, pizza thing with, like, stuff with, like, onions and, like, sauce, topped with marsala sauce and paneer. Oh, my God, it blew my mind. And then they that had. That sounds suspiciously like flavors, Scott. I'm not interested. Oh, that's okay. Flavors <laughs> is is a wonderful thing, and I will bathe in that. Oh my god, I would have rolled in that. It was so good. Um, I'm pretty positive that whatever you're describing would probably kill me. Oh, it, I mean. it it was spicy and delicious. They also had. You guys ever have like a like a the Jamaican beef patty? Kills me. The what? what now? A Jamaican beef patty. You. No. Oh yeah, those yeah, yeah. are they're really good. Those are one of my favorite foods. I I just I ate like two chicken patties. Oh, they're morning. so good. Anyway, <laughs> they had, they had, they had uh, like a puff pastry that was filled with like good like spiced chicken stuff. That, but the last thing is oh, I gotta go. I mean, uh, it's too far away. I won't go get it. It looks <laughs> like Rice Krispies. I don't know how to describe it. it looks like it's spicy Rice Krispies instead of chop, and it was so good. I'm like I'm eating it with a spoon. I'm just like posting on Facebook. I have no idea what I'm eating right now. What is this? And it was delicious, but it was also the weirdest thing I've eaten recently. And I kind of was like, they're called pastries and chot. I'll get one of their chots. That one looks good. And made the mistake of finding the most awesome thing ever. Cool. There we go. It still sounds like flavor, so it's all yours. Flavor? Are you, are you not a flavor person? I do not do flavor. So, so you're like my wife, who just will not eat anything unless it's bread, uh, or like bread, some protein, generally beef. <laughs> tomato and lots of cheese? Uh, tomato's a no-go and cheese is sort of suspicious. Okay, so you were uh, even farther uh, on that spectrum. I, we're probably uh, similar places on the spectrum, but have different preferences. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college, uh, the health equivalent class that I took was talking about selective eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, they eat, you know, mostly bland white foods. And I'm talking to my roommate that night, and I'm like, that isn't me! And then we stop, and we looked at my plate, and there's, like, chicken strips, and pasta with Alfredo sauce, and, like, a turkey sandwich or something. I'm like, shut up. 
So um, I have I have like this experience where like one of the my favorite things to do my wife is outside the obvious is to take her to strange places that can give her strange food. Um, but we found things that she likes, like pesto. She doesn't like textures, so it's like pesto. She's like that looks really weird. It's green. I don't yeah. know. Green things. And then she tastes it. She's like, this is the best thing ever. Can we get this every day? I'm like, sure, why not? Like pesto <laughs> sauce is so good. Um, my favorite reaction to her was at one point I got her to try some uh, chicken vindaloo, and it's like a very curry-ish like. Uh, yeah, I heard of that Indian from Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah. So I took it and, I, and she's like, "How much do I have to eat?" She was like, "I touch it with her tongue." And I put the whole spoon in her mouth and pull it out, and she just fell to the floor like gagging. And I'm like, "All right, you don't like Indian food, I guess." <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm a weenie when it comes to spice, and I don't like flavor Indian food. No I, I have, a, I have the opposite problem of you. I can't eat bland food anymore. My taste buds are like, I don't even taste it anymore. It's like charred. I'm sure that they're burnt out a little bit. And I'm like. It has to be this spicy for me to even taste it. So we're going up here, guys. Since we're on the topic of food, I, I was given a gift uh, about a month ago by a friend. Well, two gifts. But I have this uh, a Dwarven cookbook. I will be right back, guys. <laughs> and, uh, that sounds awesome. And a garden and table like book that's also tabletop food. But I think what? it was I think it was like written by like I'm not sure what it was. I think it was written by an elf. I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, the Dwarven cookbook is pretty freaking crazy. Like it's got like freaking squirrel recipes and stuff in it. It's it's actually insane, and it's like meant to like be stuff that you can like cook while you're uh and serve when you're like you know just doing tabletop stuff. Didn't they do like, a yeah, Kickstarter yeah, yeah. with something similar? <laughs> yeah, Culinary Magic. Alex Abel does Kickstarters for stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he just funded uh about two three weeks ago. We had him on the show. That's awesome. So guys, I have yeah. stolen and gotten the weird <laughs> shot weird rice oh, thing. See, when you said Rice Krispies, I thought you meant Rice Krispie treat, and I was like, no, no, right. it's, like, yes. it's like, if you guys can see, it's like yeah, actual no, it's, like, it's, it's, oh wow, you just that rice. That's, that's real weird. It, it looks, looks like, like uncooked macaroni. macaroni. <laughs> yeah. So, just about a day old, it's not as good as I wanted it to be, but um, yeah, it's like a really savory flavor. It's really spicy, wow. even by my standards. Nope. So what is that called think, again? It's a type of chot. It has some name I cannot pronounce. It's like a bhu. <laughs> it starts with a bhu. I don't know. <laughs> it's good, man. Oh, also I just realized yeah, I'm really no, hungry. Fair. Uh, <laughs> people ask me sometimes. They're like, okay, so you don't drink water and you don't eat vegetables. How are you alive? How are you alive? I'd say I go it's through like, so many bottles of water a day, man. It's like, no, no, we don't talk about that, because if we talk about it too much, yeah. then the paradox of 25 years of vulgar <laughs> magic will come crashing down and explode us all. Wait, you don't drink water? Uh, I try not to. Do you drink, like, it soda takes... or tea or what? Uh, I, I would prefer to drink soda. Uh, unfortunately, that has come back to get me because uh, ulcers and kidney stones and, and bears, oh my. Is your pee uh, black? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the answer is, is Mio. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, Mio is the answer because water is gross. I, I, I recently oh, discovered no. that actually. Um, but I, I live in Arizona. I go through like three bottles of water a day. 
at least. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Your trash cans are melting there. Yup. So, hey guys, it's, it's, don't worry, guys. We're not. We're out of the heat waves. It's only in the 90s. It's only in the high 90s. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, when I was a landscaper, I literally took six liters of water with me. Every oh yeah, you have day. to, dude. Yeah. Well, when I go out to fight for SCA, you have to start drinking before you go outside. Yeah. What is this thing? All yeah, right. no, uh, my Sunday gaming group has tried to save my life by making me drink more water. Uh, and one of my gamers, like, goes through, like, a ridiculous amount of water. So that's the thing. I have to drink as much water as they do within the four-hour gaming period. I mean, and it's more water, like, they drink more in four hours than I would by myself all day. So basically you end up spending 30 minutes of the whole game session running to the bathroom? Yes! Yeah. And I'm like, this is your fault! Yeah. Yeah, Mio is great. It's like three bucks, and I've been using it for like a couple, you know, a couple dozen things. Mio is just a zero calorie, like water flavor thing. It's, it tastes really good. I recommend right. orange vanilla. I like the uh, the red. Oh, refill your Mios, and we will take our brief break, and then be back to do Baron von Munchausen actual play. Okay, I guess we can do that. Yeah. Yes. All right, guys. So right. Um, once again, thanks for joining us. Um, signing off. <laughs>